Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, SEC Schedule Reaction Edition. As we record this, it is Monday night. The SEC has dropped a 10-game conference-only schedule on us that we have no idea if it's ever going to get played. But if it does, oh my goodness, this is a thing of beauty. To talk about it, I bring in David Ubb and our Tennessee beat writer. David, this is glorious. I, I don't know that they can ever do anything other than this from now on, now that we have seen the beauty of this thing. Listen, we have to, we should just call this entire podcast if. I, I don't want to caveat yes. every single game, but just the existence of the schedule grid and staring at it, it's literally like nothing I've ever seen before. And it is uh, so many games. I mean, there's, there's already so many great games, but you're adding, I'm not good at math. Is it? Would it be 20 additional games? 14, 28? I can't add. It's a lot of good <laughs> so there's, games. <laughs> there's there's 14 teams, and they're all playing two additional games in the conference. So that'd be 28. But would it be 14 no, games? Sorry, wait. Exactly. They, play, they play each other. It'd be 14. Exactly. This is why sports writers shouldn't do math. Exactly. But still, 14, it's more good games. games. Uh, and, and considering that we're staring down the barrel of a fall watching zero good games, to stare at this many games uh, is uh, a site uh, that you know that Andy, you've you've written that we we might uh, not unsee for some time. Exactly. Now, let's get one last disclaimer out of the way, and then we're done with disclaimers. Yeah. And then we we're know, gonna proceed. yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're going to proceed as if this might actually happen. But one more disclaimer: I did a show like this when the Big Ten released its schedule, and six days later. The Big Ten canceled its season. Just remember that. Disclaimer done. Only We only now football. will imagine yeah. that this is all going to happen and talk about football. <laughs> David Oven, this is... So, they released week one on the Feinbaum show. Sure. And it was like... Okay. <laughs> eh. Yeah. South Carolina, Tennessee looks kind of interesting. You know, Florida, Adel, Miss, maybe, but and then a bunch of sacrificial lambs. <laughs> Auburn, Auburn, Kentucky. I like Auburn, Kentucky. That looks fun. Yeah, but but that's kind of like, eh. But you know what? I think it was. You can't get hit with the kind of shot of adrenaline that is week two in week one. You gotta you gotta warm up. You gotta you gotta get in the pool above your shoulders for a minute or two. <laughs> And and acclimate. Yeah, Aggies, Alabama. Uh, what else you got here? Uh, Georgia, Georgia, Auburn. Auburn. I mean, it, it's it's really there's just so much good football. I think now here here's my question to you, Andy. Not to not to backtrack on the additional games. How big is your tinfoil hat uh, on the uh, SEC is protecting Florida, LSU, Alabama, or Georgia, LSU, Alabama? Pretty big because here's how I would have done it. Because we all know that I should be a conference commissioner. I, I tell you this all the time on this thing. No, I trust me, after the last five months, I don't want their job. Yeah. But I would have done it for maximum TV ratings just to make the network. Well, I don't want to make CBS happy because they've been sh- lowballing me for years. They got this great deal at, at $55 million a year for that deal. And I'm going to have ESPN buy it out soon. But I want to make ESPN happy for sure. I would have tried to add a Georgia LSU game and a Florida Alabama game and a Florida Auburn game mm-hmm. and maybe a Georgia A&M game. I would have, I would have gone purely for television purposes. They went, they say for competitive balance. And what it ended up being is your two league 
division favorites, Georgia and Alabama, get Arkansas at the front and back of the schedule. The mysterious, quote-unquote, formula. The the formula. (laughs) There's no formula. It's like, let's see what this uh, Does this work? Hold on. No. All right. Draw it up again. How much would you pay right now for the audio of the coach's call last week? Oh, at least a hundred bucks. Yeah, that's that's about what I was thinking. I can't I've been, imagine. I've been the, briefed. The memes, the 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 podcast drops, the legendary clips. I mean, if we had the audio to that call, it would live for decades. No question. I, I've been briefed. I, I have heard Elijah Drinkwitz or Elijah Drinkwitz got his uh, got his baptism <laughs> into complaining about SEC schedules when he found out. <laughs> who got added to his but I, Sam Pittman I don't think I, I heard he was fairly stoic about it I heard her Gus wasn't real happy <laughs> but look none of these guys are ever happy with the schedule don't make the schedule to make them happy make the schedule to make the fans happy the paying customers mm-hmm. and guess what I think they're happy I think this looks really good so Iron Bowl is not the last week of the season but it is on Thanksgiving weekend yeah. fact, as it traditionally is. De facto is. rivalry week as we would, uh, you know, that, that weird Thanksgiving week where there's football on every day. Now, here, here's my question to you, Andy, not to get back into hypothetical land, but me, not, not so much tinfoil hat, but as much as like pragmatist, realist, I thought we were going to see a really front-loaded schedule. A lot of rivalry up front with the implication being, let's play as many of these as we can and see. What do you make of the SEC not going that route? And it's a pretty normal-looking schedule. We didn't see – I mean, the third Saturday in October is the fourth Saturday in October. Obviously, Florida, Tennessee is at the end. Iron Bowl, like you said, is the same weekend. Uh, world's largest outdoor cocktail party, same weekend that it usually no, is. No, they moved, they moved Florida, Georgia a week. Well, it's still in the so same vicinity. They, they didn't – didn't, you know, we're not, right. we're not moving up to the first few weeks. What do you make of that yeah, move? Still, still in Jacksonville, but but still two boat two open dates yeah. for the teams beforehand. So they get they get what they're used to. I think the reasoning behind this is it's they're either going to play or they're not going to play. I don't think they're looking at it as like we're we're going to front load this in case we got a bag this season after four weeks. Mm-hmm. I think they're probably going to know after one if they have if they're in a situation where they have to bag it after games get played. They probably will know it after one and actually would probably know it after the other college leagues start playing. And remember the ACC starts two weeks before they do. Mm -hmm. So I I don't think that's the case. I I, I think it's a matter of they figure if they, if they actually start playing, I think they feel like they got a pretty good chance to finish. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of getting to September 26th. I think the interesting thing too, is that SEC schools are not being real talkative on their change in testing you know, there was a lot of question marks early on that they're not testing everyone all the time. Tennessee said today they're testing everybody every week during camp, twice a week during the uh, during the season. You know, that's a decent plan to get us as many games as possible and prevent sort of the widespread outbreaks that could have happened if you're only testing guys that show symptoms, I guess. Well, and there's other issues, too. I mean, you saw this the deal with North Carolina on Monday. Yeah. Where it, you know the, the student paper editorial saying what are you doing here? And by the afternoon, they had basically said all all undergraduate classes are going to be online. Now, North Carolina has also said the athletes are still going to stay on campus. Which there's a segment of the listenership that's going to hate when I say this, and there's a segment that's going to cheer when I say this. 
if you would like to see football in the fall, the athletes on campus and the students not is the way that happens. Seems obvious to me. It's a bubble. Now, you have to acknowledge that they're not regular students, but guess what? There's a lot of reset button type stuff that's going to happen between this season and next season anyway. So don't worry about that right now. Try to play some football. And you're hearing this from me. Remember, I am Mr. Athletes Rights. <laughs> that stuff's coming. Don't worry about that right now. <laughs> the, the athletes want to play. The coaches want to coach. Anybody who's not comfortable can opt out. So if, if that happens on other campuses and the athletes stay, the schools resist any pressure to send them home, it makes there a better chance of seeing football in the fall than a less good chance of seeing football in the fall. Now, David, the opt-out thing's interesting because you know there was news on Monday out of Florida that that four pretty key players for the Gators might be opting out. Now, there, nothing's final as we record this on Monday night. Sort of a nobody sit has, out for now, right? Yeah. yeah, nobody's announced. It's all. I think holdout might be a better term mm-hmm. at the moment, and and we'll see if they come back or if some of them come back and some of them don't. We don't know what's going to happen on that one quite yet, but. Receivers Travon Grimes, Jacob Copeland, Kadarius Toney, and defensive end Zach Carter. That's some pretty important players, especially yeah. it is the the veteran core of your receiver group that you thought was going to be the most veteran-heavy group in the SEC, and now you might have the youngest group in the SEC. Now, you do have Kyle Pitts, the tight end, who is you know, maybe the best tight end in the country with Pat Fryermuth not playing, but... That man's going to get triple covered by Ole Miss if they play in week one and those dudes aren't there. These are all, I mean, all these decisions, I I think it's interesting that the coaches, for as controlling as they are about a lot of the messaging around their team, the coaches, we've seen it. I mean, Jerry Pruitt said it today. We've seen it at Florida as well. It's like the players are going to control messaging on a lot of this stuff, which I find to be pretty interesting. I don't know what that means. I think the concept of opting out in college is so new that we've never really seen this before and and nobody's really sure how to handle it or what to make of it. But, you know, coaches love control and it seems like they're sort of seeding control on this. Well, they they had no choice. I mean, the school's basically backed themselves into this. They spent 15 years in federal court arguing that these just happened to be regular students who happened to play a sport. Mm Mm-hmm. You can't yank their scholarship now if they don't feel comfortable playing during a pandemic. You just can't. So you had to create this system. Now, I've argued that you also you, you need to give this year a an eligibility mulligan. So whoever plays and whoever doesn't play in whatever version of the 2020 season happens, it does not affect your eligibility. Because you need to incentivize playing just as much as you've incentivized not playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back to the schedule. Okay, before that, I want to ask you this question because you've been dealing with this on Monday. Is it weird when there's a normal piece of college football news that you would normally be covering this time of year? For example, Cade May's waiver request being denied at Tennessee. Well, it's very bad news for Tennessee, but it's honestly refreshing because when we've been dealing with disease news, virus news for five months and trying to piece it together, things change all the time. 
you know, people interpret data in different ways. Uh, our understanding of the virus changes. It feels like you're trying to like grab a fistful of jello a lot of times and you're trying to get a sense of like, okay, what does this really mean? And what, uh, you know, do we really know about, you know, and, and, and too, when you're talking about the season, it's all sort of theoretical. It's like, well, if this happens then we, we think this will happen, but we're not sure. And it's still two months off. So like, yeah, today, Jerry put out a very newsy, uh, you know, 30 minutes with the media after day one of practice. We haven't heard from him in a couple of months. And yeah, it felt good because it's like, oh, I know what I'm doing here. I know what I'm talking about fully here. I can comfortably say this is this, this is that, this is this. So yeah, it's nice to combine that with the schedule release, even though there's sort of that weird dark cloud hanging over the schedule. Today felt good. I got to say, today felt good. Camps playing. You got uh, people analyzing the Zapruder film of players, you know, the released footage of uh, the 90 seconds oh, of footage those, you're getting. Those, <laughs> those 90 second practice videos yep. are amazing. <laughs> I'm seeing, well, you see, he was playing center and you had this guy at left guard and this guy at right guard. And yeah. that's not what we were told all summer was going to happen. So what does that mean? Exactly. What does that mean? I watched Tennessee's today and learned exactly nothing which is slightly less than I usually learn being out there for practice for the uh, individual drills. But uh, today was a good day, I think. Uh, it was refreshing to just be able to be... Uh, it felt normal, I think, and that's been sorely missing in a lot of ways for you know four or five months here. It's been anything but normal. And today, even though the concept of releasing a schedule five weeks out from the season is inherently not normal, it felt like football... Um, and for today, I'll take that. So, David, here here's an interesting one. We, we're talking about Tennessee right now. Let's talk about Tennessee's schedule, the end of Tennessee's schedule. Mm -hmm. Florida was supposed to come to Knoxville in September. Florida is now coming to Knoxville on December 5th. This game is – it's really up to the Gators involved to make this game mean something. Mm-hmm. But this is the, the first time they've met in December since 2001. 2001, remember, the, the September 11th attacks happened. They moved the game, and it wound up being in the first weekend of December, and it was an all-time classic. Tennessee upsets Florida and goes to the SEC championship game. This could be that, but again, the Vols and the Gators have to make it that, and there's a lot that they have to push through to get there. It, that's true. I have here's a theoretical question for you uh, that we should we should posit to Tennessee fans and then possibly answer for Tennessee fans. Now, a caveat before I answer this: that if you're ranked in the top ten this year, it is not the same as being in the top ten most years because the rankings are going to be there, and there's going to be two conferences that at this point there are less teams. presumably will not be there. But if you could get a redo of that 2001 game where you're both in the top 10, Tennessee and Florida, but Tennessee loses that game, would you rather have that or an unranked Tennessee team win that game at the end of the year to go, I don't know, to finish 5-5 five and five or 6-4? and four? And, and spoil Florida's trip to Atlanta? And whatever Florida is, yeah. Does, what, that yeah. Have, does that have to help? Does that, that, would, help. that would help, that, sure. We'll say that. Yeah, I think, I think if they cause pain, I think that <laughs> – helps make it go down a little easier if, if they're if Tennessee's not where they want to be and look Tennessee's gotta gotta get through quite a bit you know in the first five weeks of the season I look the South Carolina game we don't know what South Carolina is gonna be mm -hmm. they could be pretty good then you got Missouri then Georgia then Kentucky and I 
I did a little little game once the schedule came out called Who Has Kentucky After a Really Tough Game? <laughs> because that is the last team I want to see. A, a, a relentlessly competent team with good play on both lines of scrimmage. That's Kentucky. I do not want to see them after I played somebody really good. Tennessee, unfortunately, has them between Georgia and Alabama. I've heard Georgia's pretty good. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Tennessee, they, they've they always been stuck with this nightmarish four-week stretch, okay, where you've got Florida, you've got Georgia, and then third Saturday in October, you always have Alabama. It's brutal. And for a lot of years, it's been Tennessee sort of getting their teeth kicked in in that month and then sort of trying to figure things out in the last half of the season. The one wrinkle in Tennessee's schedule this year I think is interesting. They only have to play – back-to-back ranked teams, presumably right now, twice, or one time, I should say, Texas A&M and Auburn. Now, we'll see what the rankings look like again. It's going to be a screwy year with the rankings. But you have A&M and, and, uh, and, and Auburn back-to-back. That Kentucky game, I agree with you. I, if you want to call that a trap game, whatever. I think Tennessee fans no, have the, a- the, the trap game. The trap game of the year in the SEC is October 24th in Lexington. Georgia coming off a trip to Tuscaloosa – they will have played, in order, Auburn, Tennessee, at Alabama, and then they will go to Lexington before an open date before Florida. I'm with you. I'm with that you. That is the ultimate trap game. <laughs> that, 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 is, that is Alabama at South Carolina 2010 levels of trap game. I like that. Steven Garcia will be proud you dropped that on him. I think, you know, it's, it is, uh, this is just, I think we're going to learn a lot about you know, this whole year, I think the coaches are going to be uh, pretty drained, obviously, by the end of this. They're just, you don't get that, uh, what what do we call that November weekend where everyone sort of takes a vacation and plays the Citadel? Crap. Yeah, plays the Citadel well, and attempts not to now, lose. That was supposed to move this year because I, I think the league got tired of the criticism of that. So it was going to change. You know, Alabama was going to have to play Texas A&M the week before the Iron Bowl. Auburn was going to play LSU. They were going to play their weaker opponents both on November 14th. Alabama had Tennessee Martin. Auburn had UMass. Mm -hmm. So that was going to change because they'd had such criticism of that week. But now, in the next to last week of the season, you get the Iron Bowl, the Egg Bowl. (laughs) You get Georgia-South Carolina, which was quite a game last year. You get LSU-Texas A&M, which was not competitive at all last year but was seven overtimes the year before. I mean, it's this is beautiful. You get Vandy, Tennessee, which, look, that hasn't been the greatest series, but it's been interesting it has. in a lot of ways for the last few years. And the Kentucky-Florida. So, Kentucky can play spoiler in that game. Kentucky has found creative ways to lose to Florida uh, several times awesome. the last few years. They did, but they did break the streak the last time they were in Gainesville. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's that is a great week. I actually don't. I think the last week's kind of, kind of a letdown yeah. compared to. And I, I realize you wanted to keep the traditional rivalries on that weekend, and I I, I get that. But yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because, I mean, this it, it's going to be a wild ride for some of these schools as you go through the the last part of the schedule. I mean, LSU has has Alabama. They get Arkansas, but then they got Texas A and M, uh, and that's that's not easy. The Auburn schedule feels like it never lets up. Like you've got to deal with the Mike Leach air raid. You've got to play Tennessee. You play the Iron Bowl, and then oh, by the way, you get Texas A and M 
Yeah, that's, to that's close brutal. the year. That the the A and M Auburn, and then obviously Tennessee Florida are the are the marquee games that last weekend. They're they're really the only great games that weekend. And again, I think all four of those teams uh, could be surprising or really disappointing. Uh, and and we'll see. Those games could be for a whole lot or not very much. Uh, I suspect one of them you'll be playing for you know a shot maybe to to share a division title. Um, but I suspect I suspect one of those you know, will be uh, rather irrelevant. Uh, I don't think we can get that. But I just, uh, again, to have, it's it's just, today is just a weird day because there's never been anything quite like this. You know, you sort of know what you're going to get uh, when you have an SEC schedule. When do they when do they usually release it? I mean, I, it's never really that much of an event. I mean, years in advance. And I was yeah. trying to figure out, because one of the things I was trying to figure out is now Texas A&M, gets to go to Knoxville. It's the first time A&M will play in Knoxville as an SEC member. Mm-hmm. By the way, this is their their ninth SEC season. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, does that complete the set? Nope, nope. They play at Kentucky to complete the set in, guess which year, David? 2026. 25. <laughs> 2025. I was close. I was they close. They've been in the league 13 years. <laughs> well, I went to my first game in Lexington last year. Uh, and and Kroger Field, there's a lot of blue, I suppose. I think uh, I just it, this is a weird day, you know. When the when the schedule drops, you sort of know what you're getting. Your only question is like, well, you already know the rotations. It's not really an event. And today, you know, I don't know if there's a way to duplicate this every year. But if you could, there is. If you could there move is. it, if you could move it to the summer or the spring or something, and and make this happen. I mean, it's 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 beautiful for the SEC because you can say, "Here are your home dates and here are your road dates." So just plan to be on on the road this day and at home this day. Yeah, and then you could do this, and it would be like the NFL schedule release. It would be an event every single year. I mean, this year's a pandemic. It's different. You didn't have every wedding planner in the South watching this to try to alter the schedule because most weddings have been canceled or downsized or anything. But, but in under normal circumstances, every wedding in the South is built around this <laughs> schedule. It's, it's built around somebody's open date mm-hmm. if there's a fall wedding. So I, that's the thing that, that I think you, you could really cash in on. Now let's, let's talk about, cause obviously you and I like this. I think the fans will love this as a product, but I know people will have questions about, well, how can you say you can keep, you could keep doing this because what about Florida, Florida state? What about Clemson, South Carolina? What about Georgia, Georgia tech and Louisville, Kentucky play those games, play them Mm -hmm. and then play the weakest opponent you can find for that other non-conference game. If you're those guys field, we'll field an athletic flag football team. We'll show up. We'll play one of those. Exactly. Texas A&M go play Texas. Please. And then play somebody weak. You're about to get me on a soapbox, Andy. Careful, careful. Don't mention AM and Texas around me too too much. I will I will go off and you won't you know, I won't stop talking for half an hour. But but here's the thing. The other leagues are already playing nine conference games. You could get them to go to ten if you go to ten, if you're the SEC. You know, the Pac twelve, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, the ACC, their TV partners would love for them to play ten conference games. They would adore it. So they'll all do it if you do it. And here's the other thing. You say, oh, well, how do you get in the playoff? You can't, you're not going to have an undefeated team. Our, our schedule's a meat grinder. That's what all the, the propagandists always say. Well, guess what? If you're the SEC, change the playoff. You have the swing vote. 
on that because the Pac-12 will expand it. The Big 12 will expand it. The ACC will probably do whatever you want. And so if you say, we'd like it to be eight teams, the group of five will be all for that too. Yeah, like absolutely. You can do it. and Because you would have to, if you did this, if you played 10 conference games a year, you would have to accept that a two-loss team could be a great team. And can, and a, and can a, win a it all. A team could be a really good team. And if you're getting hot, I mean, listen, 2012 A&M is like the best case for that. Absolutely. Of like, does anybody want to play that team at the end of the year? Absolutely Hell not. no. Not like, in the playoff. No, no way. way. Absolutely not. And and that is the type of thing where you could, you could see that happen. And teams that, you know, have a lot of pieces coming together and they aren't themselves at the start of the season and by December are a freaking bulldozer and... I mean that there are so many teams that get locked out of the playoffs beyond the I mean the group of 5 I think has got to be first in line there of teams that are itching to get a shot but there's been some good teams that get hot late in seasons and, and they just don't get that opportunity and and it'd be cool to see them get it. Yeah, I mean like go, 2007 Georgia would have been a great team to see mm-hmm. in a playoff because nobody wanted to play them at the end of that year. But the other factor is and I'm going to I'm going to assuage the fears of the administrators at the Mississippi schools <laughs> right now. We're going to change bowl eligibility too. Yeah. You're not going to have to win six anymore. And I know people are going to be like, well, there's too many bowls and it's not supposed to be a reward for a losing season. Shut up. Those are the worst people. Those are the worst it's, college it's a, football fans. How dare you complain about show. too much college football? How dare, yeah. How dare you put football on my television for me to watch? I take umbrage. How, who, who among us has been sitting at home on December 22nd and been too entertained or too wanting to uh, hang out with their in-laws? Listen, folks. Play a hundred bowl games. You can only, you know, if you've won nine games, you get to play in two bowl games. I don't care. You could not have too much football. Uh, yes, I I like football, and therefore I like bowl games, and I don't care. I watch the Dollar General Bowl. I also okay? do, <laughs> which I don't think exists anymore. But I watch the Bahamas Bowl. I don't care what the records of the teams are. You know what I care about? My kids are home from school, and it's on. That's what I care about. R.I.P. to the I bad Bowie Bowlers and bowl. veg out. <laughs> I think it's uh, you know, I think too, as much as excitement as there was today, and even they only had what two days of hype over this this announcement that they dropped. It's still muted. The schedule announcement today. It's still muted because there is that cloud. There is that sort of like pit in your stomach of like, uh, can you imagine in a normal year? What this guy? Yeah, well, I mean, definitely know this yeah, is gonna happen. like this is gonna happen. Like it, it's it that muting is gonna be gone, and I for one, uh, I can't wait for something like that. I, I don't know that we'll ever get it. I think your your ops people would be uh, fighting tooth and nail to to prevent it. But man, for the fans, uh, it'd be great. And I think too, the concept of the ten game conference schedule, you know, the likelihood is. You're going to have a lot of schools that are going to be facing budget shortfalls in the time to coming, and it's it's more money. And I think the rules of scheduling should be the same rules that are applied in realignment. If it makes sense at CENTS, it makes sense at CNSE. And I think that's where what we're talking about with the scheduling issue is if there's more money on the table, Andy, how many college administrators you know that are willing to just stare at it and say, ah, I'm, I'm good, I'm going to walk away? Zero. 
There you go. Zero. There you go. And and here's the thing with the SEC in particular that that CBS deal is up in 2023. It's possible that ESPN buys it out sooner than that. The payout is fifty five million dollars a year. Now again, CBS got the best deal ever right after the economy crashed in in 08. And they have been milking that ever since. They're not going to be able to milk it anymore. They're not going to win this. We already know Sports Business Journal has already reported ESPN is going to outbid them for this next one. And we're talking probably 300 million bucks a year for that one game each week. Mm -hmm. And now what that does for ESPN is it gives them ultimate flexibility because then they would own all of the SEC's rights. So they could program the SEC as they see fit. There's value in that. Now, if you up the value by giving them even more conference games, you're going to make them pay more when they do that because you can dangle that in front of them and say, would you like this? Well, it's going to cost you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it matters that you can't set those games apart? Like if you're playing on CBS, you know – that's the game. There's something special about it. You got Vern. I mean, obviously, not anymore, but you got Vern. You got the da 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 da. You know all that stuff. Oh no, they changed that song. They destroyed it this week, so it doesn't matter. That's out. <laughs> yeah, but, but you have but all that. No, but I'll, like, you set that apart. Do you think that matters? It doesn't matter for one reason. Remember that Disney owns a broadcast network. It's true. Put it at three thirty on ABC. It's special. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Done. I need that. I need that branding. I need that branding. I need SEC Saturday, well, whatever they want to call it. If they ditch the good song, then it's for sale too. So let's go get. If you're ESPN, <laughs> go get dun, 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 instead of the the crazy stupid synth heavy one that they debuted this week. Yeah. Or listen, I'm not against just buy the NBA and NBC music, rebrand it, reclaim it. Ra- round ball rock by round John ball Tesh. Rock. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know John Tesh wrote that song. Right? I do. I uh, the the Saturday Night Live skit is a is a classic. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't I don't believe that Mary Hart or Lisa Gibbons had any any hand in it. But I, it could have been tapped out on the Entertainment Tonight set. I don't really know. I'd so, like to know that story. Yeah, David, this schedule is amazing. I want it every year. How do we make them do it every year? Um. Well. Hopefully not an annual pandemic. That would be bad. But I think, yeah, but I think ultimately sort of keep talking about the idea of this will make you more money. And that's, that's what's motivating. That is, I mean, uh, you know, conferences are not unlike people in that if you offer them more money to do things, you're more likely to get them to do those things. And, you know, for better or worse, that's what this has to be about. If you say, Hey, Schedule specials, 10 games, uh, flexibility. This is, you know, your guys are going to be struggling this year. You're going to be losing a lot of money this year. Let's make it up over the next decade. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's start making it back. (laughs) That is a beautiful schedule grid. I want to see it every single year. David Oven, thank you for helping me break it down. Appreciate it. Anytime. Anytime.